Welcome to the I'm a Health Visitor podcast. We want to help health visitors stay up to date, so we're here to give evidence-based information and insight into relevant practice issues. We're currently supported by the CPHVA Education Development Trust, McQueen Bursary. Hi, it's Jenny here. And Amy here. Hi, everyone. And this week we are covering a subject which I I feel comes up in every interaction I have with anyone with a baby. (laughs) It doesn't even have to be work related. Um, Definitely. And we are so obsessed. Wonder even parents are so obsessed with poo. Oh, completely. Yes, in the early it's weeks. poo week here it's on IMH. It just takes over. To be fair, mm-hmm. though, um, even many adults I've met are a bit poo obsessed. I mean, when I was an A and E nurse, <laughs> I did begin to think at times that I'd got "Tell me about your bowel movements" tattooed on my forehead because, I mean, in a way, <laughs> it's a relief now that it's just the babies I'm hearing about. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you know, I. Much easier to hear about baby poo. <laughs> and I should say, we're going to keep this week, um, we're going to keep it quite strictly um, limited to below six months. So we're talking pre-weaning poo. So it's very inoffensive at yes. pre-six months anyway, isn't it? But So we're not getting into, so we're going to cover constipation, but we're not getting into toddler constipation, which is a whole new world no. of stuff, which we could, could come to in a separate episode. Yeah, definitely. Um, And we've thought long and hard about how to tackle this, um, the different approaches you can bring to poo. And and we've decided to go (laughs) chronological, haven't we, Amy? Yeah, we're going chronological. Um, Because it just feels like the easiest way, you know, similar to how you're quite systematic when you're changing a nappy, we're taking that similar (laughs) systematic approach to our approach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We're starting with the very first poo and then we're going to go through and hopefully bust, bust, I don't know what I'm talking about, bust a few myths along the way. Definitely. Yeah. So let's get right into it then. So, yeah, so first poo um, after baby yeah. arrived is meconium. Um, yes. Sometimes arrives a bit before baby arrives, which can be um, a bit of a worry and a bit of a concern, a sign that there's been some distress and things. But typically it arrives in those first few hours after baby's arrived. Mm-hmm. So, um, Amy, quick quiz time. What's in meconium? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> Well, there's, some, there's um, a really obvious factor in it, which you should be able to get like that. A really obvious thing. Oh, no. Now you've said that. I'll never yeah. What's it. baby? What's baby been surrounded in for nine months? Oh, well, obviously amniotic fluid. Yay. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> and mucus. And, yeah, that seems um, to make sense. Lanugo, the fine hair that covers the baby's body. Apparently that's oh. made its way into the tract, bile, and cells that have been shed from the skin and the intestinal tract. Lovely. It's beautiful. Um, And with all of that going on, you can kind of understand why it comes out and it's like tar, isn't it? Mm, Sticky, black, 
sticky black um you always feel like you need a mini jet washer to yeah. get it off the buttocks sometimes i find <laughs> it's a yeah it's a it's not the nicest thing to be dealing with is it <laughs> thank goodness there's not many of those though no, they exactly, move on quite quickly, don't exactly. they? And probably before health visitors, you know, obviously, you know, health visitors aren't typically involved at um, the newborn day one no. phase, are they? Exactly. So it can be quite a surprise, and I think it's quite interesting sometimes how, um, if you're yeah you know, being a health visitor and you have friends or family who are having babies, they kind of expect you to be knowing everything about labour and birth mm-hmm. and things. Yeah. And it can sometimes be a bit confusing for them for you to be going, well, no, no, see, two Not weeks really in, bag. 10 days in even, things are very different. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, so we're expecting this meconium poo for the first couple of days. um, And then as baby's taking colostrum in and things, the poos are slightly, slightly start to lighten. Yeah. So quite quickly, even by day two or so, we're expecting to be a bit greener, a little bit looser, a bit easier to wipe off, yeah, a bit wetter looking. Um, and over the following sort of four days or so, mm. I mean, you think milk typically transitions to mature milk by about day three, day four. Mm-hmm. So as the milk's transition transitioned, becomes more copious in volume, mm. so should baby's poo. Mm. And gradually that easing through the, the spectrum from very dark green right through to kind of corma yellow is yep. uh, where you end up. Yeah, corma, that's the, the, the description everyone uses, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, mustard, mustardy yellow yeah. as well. You often hear about, but it's um yeah. For I think as we as the uh, cuisine of the country has changed more towards uh, people being so familiar with Indian food, I think uh, <laughs> the chicken korma now trumps <laughs> mustard. I think more people know what you're talking about. There's a lot less English mustard on tables these days. <laughs> Yeah, um, and quite seedy as well. People are always surprised yes, by yes. How so you can get those white speckles in it. Um, and I think I always want to mention at this early point that there is an amazing resource by um, Charlotte, who's also known as the Milk Rebel. Um, she's an IBCRC, and she has Great on name. Facebook the Baby Poo Gallery, which is well worth dipping into. <laughs> um, it shows sort of if you're looking for you know a bit of where literature to have a look at while you're eating your dinner perhaps or you know yeah yeah i mean <laughs> my my too much info filter is absolutely trash so yeah i could happily eat probably a korma and look at that at the same time <laughs> um, the really interesting thing is that she has got um so many pictures looking at um, so many different poos and she's even got um, I know we'll talk about this a bit more later on but she's got examples of poos from babies who are on Gaviscon mm. poos from babies who've had a viral illness poos Great. from babies who have had a back who her post immunization and they're real and just real really poos, show real oh yeah babies. they are real poos that's yeah good. no knitted pesto marmite equivalents no, they are that's all good. real because you sometimes see like these kind of little 
the cartoon ones which are really useful to give you an idea of kind of the colour and the volume or you know like how many poos yeah. to expect in the week or whatever you see those cartoon ones but um to actually see a photo of a real one I think is quite useful for parents definitely so that's a good resource definitely. to direct parents to yeah and we know that um in those very very early first few days um where feeding is getting established and they're having these small volumes of colostrum it may be that they do go a day or so between poos mm -hmm. but typically for most babies you're really expecting them to even within a few days be having two sort of poos a day yeah a fairly good size especially once milk's come in yeah um there is a huge myth that we need to bust around um, breastfeeding and baby poos. And it's a myth I believed in as well, because mm. I was told this well, that, you know, babies who are breastfed don't often end up, don't pooing twice a day, don't yeah. yeah, don't end up pooing twice a day. Yeah. Um, because of the high bioavailability of milk and that it's all absorbed. And so actually they can go for longer However, actually, up until six weeks of age, all babies should be pooing at least twice a day. Yeah. This is all for breastfed babies, sorry. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. If baby isn't pooing twice a day, even if they are fully breastfed, it's a sign of a potential issue um, with, with volume, volume going in. Yeah. And so you really need to look at doing um, a... a good assessment of latch which is not just looking and saying that looks good um properly thinking about how comfortable it is whether mum's experiencing any pain any nipple damage whether baby's in um settled feeding whether they're showing any signs of um unhappiness whether they're taking in air and things whether they're coming off the breast satisfied mm -hmm. and sometimes it's just so simple to resolve it's sometimes that thing of making sure mum offers second breast yeah because the amount of times they watch the baby slowing and take that as a sign of baby being sleepy when actually baby is just sort of getting to the point where they're going oh i'm not getting any more out I'm, fast I'll flow has stopped stop. so they've it's slowed down yeah yeah and sometimes the second breast the fast flow of the second breast is enough to stimulate them to get them sucking again exactly and these poos should be, I mean, we talk about the size of a £2 coin, but actually what you're really looking for is a good smeary, enough poo to have smeared around the nappy a fair bit. Yeah. If it's just a literally £2 coin size circle yeah. <laughs> in the nappy. That's quite small. I'd be a little yeah. bit concerned because yeah. that is still quite small. You want it. So I've always think about the weight of a two-pound coin yeah, yeah. Spread, spread over around. the nappy is, point, um, is more accurate to what we're looking for. Yeah. Um, and you want two a day, no matter how they're feeding, until they're six weeks old. And they should be that yellowy colour. Now, I feel like yeah. at this stage, um, we've talked about how they change to yellow. Um, but quite often people do get very worried about green poos re-emerging you know if they have like another green poo so they've they've gone through the, yeah. the stages they've gone from meconium to dark green to light green to greeny yellow and then they're onto the kind of chicken korma and then they randomly get a green one or a few green ones you know in a row yes um, people get very yeah. stressed about that but we don't really need to worry yeah. do we too much typically not no so obviously the the it's, it's quite interesting and i was talking to a family about this yesterday where 
the the poos are almost like have a few hour lag on showing you how feeding's been going. Uh-huh. So if you have a baby who's suddenly having a day where they're a bit fussy, they're pulling on and off, and they're not feeding for so long, it might be, you know, they're still getting fatty milk, there's still a fair bit of fat in the milk they're getting, but it's actually mixed in in a higher volume of sort of watery, sugary milk. They may occasionally randomly have a green nappy. Uh. So if they're having a green nappy and it's actually, sometimes you see it where it's yellow with a streak of green or sometimes it's a green nappy but it's a one-off and then they're back to yellows again, fine. The times that we get concerned with green nappy, um, with green stools are when they're just consistently green um, and if they're frothy, if they're mucousy. Again, Baby Poo Gallery has pictures of these these sorts of nappies to show, give you ideas of what you're looking for, what to where to be concerned, um, and yeah, that's kind of where you you kind of are a bit worried. The occasional green nappy is just, especially if you're responsively feeding baby, mm. um, it, there's potential for it to happen sometimes because if you're following baby's cues. Mm-hmm. Um, then yeah, you're you're going to be looking, and much as we talk about how you look at feeding over a twenty four hour period, not so much from individual feed to individual feed. With poos, you're more looking at poos over a twenty four hour period. Yeah, you know, don't look at one nappy and and panic. Um, look at a few nappies and really sort of Get consider feel for what is the, the trend picture showing you. Yeah, the yeah. general picture. Um. And I think as a health visitor, you should never be, <laughs> never be scared, never be worried when a mum says, well, let me show you this picture of the nappy I took. Yeah. Because it's such a useful tool. Absolutely. Um, I was just thinking of that brilliant breastfeeding support um, page. I know they mm. have a page on green poo um, that I use quite a lot with families. Why is my baby's poo green on breastfeeding support? This is Philippa Pearson Glaze, who's an IBCLC, very kind of big IBCLC. And um, she has an excellent page with tons of evidence-based information. And broadly, they're saying um, there's lots of, that actually one of the reasons is that it might just be normal for your baby. And then obviously, you know, there are other concerns that could be possible, um, which is lactose um, overload or, you know, an allergy or not enough milk. Um, but but ultimately, or tummy upset if they've had a cold or something, jaundice, um, something green in mother's diet, possibly medications, teething. So basically, there's a whole range of of things the vast majority of which we wouldn't do anything about um so if everything else is positive and you've got good signs that breastfeeding is going well and weight gain is good and the nappies are generally normal other than that then it really isn't anything to worry about at all um because people can get quite tied up on this full milk hind milk um issue and actually that can be quite problematic for parents and they can get very stressed about the fatty content of the milk and then they can get worried about the baby their milk isn't good enough for their baby and all of those types of things which can be quite harmful and probably quite misleading really um and then the allergy thing as well we hear a lot um is very common to think that if it's a green poo it must be an allergy um but for that to be the only symptom 
of an of an allergy would be almost impossible you know you wouldn't that wouldn't be your only symptom so um you know that's this is something I'm doing with my PhD so without getting into it too much certainly you don't want to stress out about one green pig yeah no exactly um it's worth thinking about how you know it would be in the early days they you know when babies are just on that breast milk then yeah they may well settle into having a very narrow um color range of poo so yeah you will become familiar Uh. with what your baby's normal shade is um (laughs) But, you know, there will be times when things are different. If baby's a bit poorly, when they've had their injections. Yeah. If even there's been anything happen with yourself, you know, these any medication you're on can sometimes have a big impact, you know, especially antibiotics and things. And, I mean, it's that frustrating thing still where there's so many antibiotics that, are advi- that uh, uh, parents are advised to stop feeding. When and often the to. cases they, they don't need stop. You yeah. know, it's always worth double-checking the information available from the Breastfeeding Network Drug Advice um, pages pop that link in the, on in the, that. In the pages as well. Yeah, and they will also often be able to explain if there is any expected side effects in babies' poops. And if anything, actually, you know, it's worth being familiar because also you, know, you need to look out for very pale-coloured stools Yeah. Um, from the point of view of um, liver issues. Mm-hmm which I think we did talk about in the jaundice episode. We did. Yeah, we did talk about it in the jaundice episode. Um, Am I right in thinking, though, again, that that wouldn't be a kind of a one-off thing? That would be a more consistent... The pale poo? um, No, that would be consistent rather than a one-off because there's this consistent, especially with um, sort of liver issues like um, biliary atresia where there's an issue releasing the bile. Yes. It would be an ongoing thing. Yeah, where so it's not going to have gone getting... from a normal colour no. to a pale colour. I see what you bit. mean. Yeah, no. Because, no. again, so it's, it's some of this stuff that can sound really stressful, but actually um, often can be a variant of normal with poo. Yeah. The other interesting thing is um, there is some evidence, say, or some research suggesting that if baby's poo's not fresh and has been in the nappy for a little while, um, oxidisation processes oh, will make it look greener. Yeah. And so that could that's also, you know, it's old stores and not reliable indicator of the colour. That's interesting. And the other thing, of course, is that if mum's got cracked nipples or bleeding nipples, that some of that yeah. iron could be changing the colour of the stool as well. Definitely. Um, so colour of the stool yeah. not being a massively reliable indicator. Once you've got past that initial few days of colour change, which really should be in the first week, um, going from meconium through green to yellow, once you've got through that colour change, the colour of the poo is less relevant really. Um yeah. as they get older because it could be indicator of so many different things as we've just talked about and actually other factors are going to be more important in most of those things anyway so exactly. um the poo's not going to be the thing that that flags it for you or that that worries you so i'm going to add quickly is just a bit about consistency is that all right so, of course please do yeah absolutely good and point just think about consistency as well um where the baby who is quite soft it's unformed you you're not ex- you, it's going to be a bit splatty yeah um because they're on a liquid diet um 
and as you mentioned already, there may sometimes be little lumps or seeds, these little mm-hmm. like curds mm-hmm. of milk that appear in it. Um, sometimes I as well I find that's more common in um formula fed babies as well, isn't it? Um, you often find which makes sense with the formula milk being a bit more hard to digest. Mm-hmm. Um, but also occasionally their stools may look a bit watery mm-hmm. and that's okay. You can sometimes have it where um, when you're changing nappy, um, especially with modern um, disposable nappies, where they have such strong kind of lockaway cores, there's almost like a watermark of some of the poo having been absorbed and leaving mm-hmm. some behind. And it can leave parents a bit concerned sometimes, thinking that baby's having diarrhoea, that baby's having a good point. dodgy yeah, to poos and things. And this is this can also actually be absolutely normal, mm-hmm. and it's that thing where if they if you were using um reusable nappies or sort of more traditional toweling nappies, mm. you may not even notice it as much yeah. because it's not going to be absorbed as much. But it's just it's quite a uh, a modern nappy phenomenon. Yes, definitely. People do worry their baby has diarrhea, but um, yeah, really, it's supposed to be quite very liquidy, really, at that age, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. at any consistency, kind of liquidy consistency is quite normal again we get this a lot with allergy people think that that's an indication that baby has an allergy but really you know the the allergy diarrhea stools are really very offensive and not at all like a you know they're not just slightly more watery poo they're really very kind of offensive they're very frequent they're sort of constantly leaking almost and the bottom's normally very yeah. very sore bleeding exactly. you know really nasty exactly. it's yeah. it's that thing where allergic an allergic reaction is something that affects the baby systemically so poo is not going to be the only sign as you've highlighted no. just now there's going to be such a lot of obvious other signs around mm. skin irritation and all over um it's quite interesting it's been a it's like so I've been talking with families come up with families a lot recently where they're concerned about whether there's an intolerance or an allergy mm. and yet all the signs they're getting are kind of upper GI so it'll be like the baby's positing a lot mm-hmm. or they're um a bit windy and it's like well those are more related to how they're getting the milk feeding. and whether there's an issue with latch Absolutely. and with feeding and with milk supply and oversupply and things and then other times you get where they're a bit sort of wiggly and they're you know, pooing um, sort of frequently or they're having dis... Um, oh, I can't dyschasia, even say it now. Dyschasia. Yeah, we're going to talk about it now. Um, and it's like, and again, it's that thing where it's like, well, that's also unlikely to be allergic because that's really only is. affecting the bottom half and that's the digestion and things. And to be um, honest, a lot of these symptoms, I'm wary of calling symptoms of allergy because um, they are so frequent and so common as to be totally normal. Um, and, and it can be really worrying and misleading for parents to suggest that it's a symptom of an allergy when it actually could be a totally, totally normal poo. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and parents can then get very hung up and it can be really quite damaging for breastfeeding journeys and so on. I would also yeah. add in that if the parent is exclusively breastfeeding, it is almost, almost certainly not an allergy. 
you can say with with a no. good degree of confidence that if that baby is exclusively breastfed it's almost certainly not an allergic reaction um and i will come back to that in a, another episode because i could go off on one but i won't um <laughs> no obviously this is all for breastfed babies yes yeah so for formula fed babies it's a little bit different um and interestingly yes. given that we're in a culture which is still fairly high rating bottle feeding and certainly combi feeding or combi feeding um, yeah. there just isn't really much of a clear picture about in the evidence or research about what to expect these babies poos to look like Yes. Um, especially with combi feeding where you're covering such a broad church of yeah. what that can entail and the quantities yeah. of the, the breast milk versus the formula milk um, yeah, you, you could end up with someone who's having one bottle a day where they are still very much having poos like a breastfed baby to someone yeah. who's maybe just using the breast for comfort once or twice a day and yeah. is is sort of having poos most are, of the nutrition from yeah formula. yeah yeah and so with um formula fed poos what you're looking out for is that you know they're going to be firstly the the first thing i often notice is that they're pastier so yes. you go from them being quite runny and quite loose to uh, being something you could really uh, spread on a piece of toast <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah <laughs> Um, you know, so they're that bit thicker. They often also weirdly have, um, often have like an olive greeny tint or be a bit darker in colour. Mm. Um, and they can often be more difficult to pass. So whereas with a breastfed baby who, mm. um, can often be diagnosed as having constipation when actually it's infant dyshasia, um, mm. with these guys, they can often have a bit more of an issue with passing the stool. Um, and also this is why it's really important to ensure they're up to speed with how they're making the formula up because yes. they can end up with, you know, if they get the ratio wrong, they can end up really easily constipated. Even in those early few weeks, often going to be less frequent. So, yeah. you know, and I know from experience often the, these are babies who right from the off are only pooing maybe once a day or so. Mm. Um yeah, whereas with the breastfed babies, they always have the squitty poos with every nappy, it seems. Yeah, sometimes. all the time, yeah. Um, and they don't smell as sweet. <laughs> they don't have as nice a smell. Whereas baby poo from a breastfed baby is quite inoffensive and actually yeah, yeah. relatively nice. I mean, it's never going to be something I'd be suggesting you pop behind your ears. But uh, <laughs> it has that certain sweet note to it that makes it more um, palatable. Um, the formula <laughs> fed poos are they are they are a lot more like adult poos. They are yeah, uh, yeah, quite stinky. A bit of stinkier, bit of it, bit more stinky. Yes. Um, sorry if you're listening to this while eating. By the way, it's, it's uh, oh God, we should have done that warning choice. beforehand, shouldn't we? <laughs> we should, shouldn't we? Although um, saying that, so, I think if you're we, we're advertising it as a podcast about poo. That's true. You've so, made that decision going in. You know, you, I think really? I think the uh, yeah the warning is there if you look very yeah. carefully. <laughs> yeah, for the weaker stomachs amongst you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so basically, we are still looking for frequent stalling in the early weeks, but um, with a formula fed baby. But obviously, the main reason we would be looking for that 
is because we would be worried about volume they're taking in. And in a formula-fed baby, that's rarely an issue because you usually know what they're taking in. Exactly. Obviously, if they're mixed-fed, then that is slightly more tricky, isn't it? Um, you know, we've got reduced stools kind of due to intake volume or due to formula, and we don't know maybe which way that's going to going to be so it's, it's just something to factor into your decision and maybe yeah. consider like the ratio of formula to breast milk have you got mostly breast milk in which case you'd be probably going by the two poos a day guidance or have you got mostly formula in which case you can be slightly more flexible yeah. with the yeah. amount um, and just look at the volumes of formula they're having to give you an indication of that yeah. And I think for most families, it's that thing where, for most families, baby, in, especially in the early weeks, we pooing so often, they're just yeah. not going to be. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's interesting how even in those very, yeah, that very first few days, you can have it where you, know, you, you sort of always think that they're not going to be pooing that much, but they end up with you know, multitudes of browny, greeny poo as they're moving through those transitions towards the... Uh, the goal of the Korma Yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Life goals. Oh, definitely, definitely. Well, you know, when you're only a few weeks old, it's uh, little <laughs> things that make a difference. <laughs> um, so this is the first six weeks we're talking about. So from six weeks then, um, Jenny, what changes at six weeks? Yeah, from six weeks, yeah. we talk about they, they suddenly have this sort of switch and suddenly they can start to go a few more days without stalling. And so some of this is due to changes in the breast milk. So at this point, the um, and with breast milk being this dynamic um, product, um, it changes throughout the feeding journey. And around about this point, the breast milk changes. So the, the ratio of whey to casein is changed and so it becomes slightly and so you expect the stools to become slightly thicker slightly more Mm. formed stools i mean they're still fairly splatty but maybe not quite as they're often not quite as watery as they have been um and you may find a bit more of a pattern around stalling occurs um it's sometimes like you know you get to the point where um, with it, some people describe it as the um, consisting of toothpaste, um, <laughs> and it's amazing how everyone always pauses and then does give me an answer. Yeah, I've never had anyone say you're a freak, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's that thing where everyone's familiar with spreading butter on toast, and yeah. it's that thing yeah. of you know, is it like you know, Spreadable? is it leaking in like butter, or, or is it sticking on top like peanut butter? Um, and again, it's that thing we're looking at the weight gain continuing, and now, and it's that thing of making sure at the mate, you know, as well as currently where weighing clinics still aren't as as regular a thing, um, making sure parents are aware of those signs of baby gaining weight. You know mm-hmm. what what signs are they looking out for to check that everything is going well? You mean other than other than a literal weight gain so you mean things like growing yeah, out of their so, clothes you know, thinking about is that you can feel a difference in them feeling yeah feeling heavier looking like they're filling out more getting longer and just sort of being mm-hmm. aware of i think so many 
parents now as well are resorting to buying their own scales, which I find a huge worry because yeah. there's going to be the, the false reassurance as well as the, the false worry. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so broadly what you're saying there is that when the number of stools drops down, people can be worried that that's an indicator that they haven't got enough breast milk supply or that their yes, baby isn't yeah. doing frequently has got constipation if they're you know if they're bottle feeding or exactly. they need to change something about the feeding but actually that's a normal yeah. evolution of what's expected to be happening in the infant's bowel yeah. around that age and because also what's happening around this point as well is that milk supply is moving from hormonal control to um, automatic nervous system control and so when the hormones yeah. are, are slightly reducing mums aren't getting that same level of engorgement they're not um feeling um yeah they're not so, maybe so able to tell which feeling breast they just fed from so and yeah, yeah and that fullness kind of goes so you can completely see how the assumption is well they're obviously not getting enough yeah because they've yeah. had yeah you know, what do we say you know constantly saying to parents the first few weeks they need to poo twice a day and then suddenly yes, you know yeah. it's like they can go sometimes for a week two weeks without stalling um yeah there's an interesting um page by Carol Smith, who's an IVCLC, yeah. um, talking about um frequency of poo slowing. And she mentions a study um which discussed a baby who had twenty-eight days between stools. Gosh. <sighs> well, that's that's huge, isn't it? Um exactly. Yeah, and, and so they can be a lot can be really normal and, and not anything to worry about for them to go for longer periods between between stores. As long as when it does come, it's you know, there's plenty of it, it's nice and soft, um, it's not kind of hard or dry, then we wouldn't be worried about constipation from that perspective. And is that different depending on if they're breastfed or formula fed, or is that just a blanket statement we can say, or mixed fed obviously, you know. However, they're fed after so, six weeks, um, so, they can go slightly longer. So I think sometimes with formula fed babies, um, even before six weeks, they can go slightly longer. Because if you think about it, for formula fed babies, there's no change in the, the way that's casing. That's what I was wondering. Um, I was wondering ratio. if it's um, more to do and with so their bowel. So that's why we always talk about for, with breastfed babies, we're expecting two poos a day. With formula fed babies, right from the off, there can be a bit of a longer gap. Um, with formula fed babies, we don't often have the concern about quant um, about quantity that they're taking in because we know exactly how much they're taking in because mm -hmm. it's measured out in a bottle. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, they're having to, and you often actually find that formula fed babies are having a few issues with passing stools effectively initially because they are straight away dealing with this this different ratio volumes. and i don't know if you remember us talking about the change in recipe to yeah. um, one of the big brands and that caused a massive outcry among parents who were suddenly finding that their babies mm. were really unsettled and when they looked into it it turned out they had slightly tweaked that whey casein um mm. ratio ratio and hadn't then even sort of mentioned it widely. So um, yeah. these parents were buying their what they thought was their normal formula and suddenly noticing it having this impact on their babies. So, yeah, so it's the first infant milk, but um, one that is, um, you know, majority whey based. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so we... 
for anything in terms of formula, um, the constituents of formula or, or anything else to do with infant feeding generally, um, First Steps Nutrition is the place to go for that information. Exactly, yeah. So we've mentioned dysgesia or dysgesia then, um, and I think it might be helpful yes. to just define that because this comes up a lot with um, frequency of poop. And parents worrying yeah. when baby hasn't pooed for three days, they're constipated. Um, when they do try and poo, you know, they look like they're really straining. They look like they're in pain. They look like they're really struggling to push out this poo. Um, and then you say to them, well, yeah. are they, are they, when it does come, is it soft or is it hard? Is it dry, small pieces like rabbit droppings? Or, you know, is it a, a big, soft, a big, hard lump? Um, or is it actually really quite soft and mushy? Um, and if they say to you it's yeah. soft and mushy or it's liquidy, um, but it's just that the actual process of passing it seems to be distressing for the baby, that's not anything to worry yeah. about from a medical perspective because um, we call that dysgesia or dyskesia. I don't know how you pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, and that basically just means the baby is learning to coordinate that movement of pushing to push out the poo. Um, and that's just yeah. a process, a normal, natural process that that child is going through to learn yeah. how to pass a bowel movement. So it's not anything and we need to randomly, intervene with in any way. No, no. And the key things are, like you said, it's a, a baby who's lovely and happy and bouncy otherwise, lovely soft tummy. And immediately mm. after passing the stool, they are really happy again. And it's just that they're trying to work out how to raise that intra-abdominal pressure um, and it's actually a hell of a yeah. lot of coordination that goes into having a poo. The best explanation mm-hmm. I've seen, and if you've got school age kids, you might be aware of this programme already, but there's a fantastic programme on, on CBBC called Operation Ouch. Um, if mm-hmm. I had a way yeah, of getting great. Dr. Zand and Dr. Chris on this podcast, I so would. Um, especially <laughs> if we could wangle it where we met them in person. Um but yeah, they it's worth watching for some of their explanations. So they have, within their series, they have a brilliant explanation of neuroplasticity and how um, mm-hmm. and brain development. <laughs> they also have a fantastic, um, very graphic example of um, poo. In fact, I think they might have covered it a couple of times. But looking at the different valves that have to be coordinated, yeah. and when you watch this, it, it you have a whole new respect for your body. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like how it on earth everything is. gets coordinated together. And it's that process of learning that coordination that's that's resulting in those kind of pained expressions and grunts and cries. And they're trying to build that, exactly. in, like you say, the abdominal pressure to be able to push out the poo. They're not constipated. Yeah. As long as when it comes, it's soft. Um, it's yeah. not anything to worry about. And it certainly isn't anything that a- needs treating with you know no. fruit juice or prunes or anything like that below six months yeah great water in for cold step away yeah, it doesn't need treating um yeah no exactly and because the, the issues are as well you, you've got an immature gut the last mm. thing you want to do is introduce random things like you know yeah. additional water fruit juice or anything into that gut um yeah it's it's not it it's not going to help anything and could potentially um actually disrupt harmful. 
the microbiome and everything yeah definitely yeah absolutely especially in very young babies but you know certainly under six months giving anything like orange juice prunes apple juice pear juice all these things we hear suggested because they do all that well not so much orange juice i don't know where that orange juice thing comes from but prunes apples and pears all contain sorbitol and prunes contain fiber as well as sorbitol so which are natural kind of laxatives so for older children perhaps but not for under six months um because you really are going to be interfering with that gut and as we said there's no evidence base for um orange juice or for water yeah, and so often I've had parents who have used that and the baby still hasn't pooed. No. And they're like, yeah. oh, they're still not doing a stool. Or even it'll be like it will seem to work one time, but then they're back to square one again and they're having the same concerns again. Well, um, and, and it probably is because the child isn't actually constipated. They're just taking longer. They're just taking longer between poos, which is just normal for them. Yeah. So yeah, so they're not needing you know any extra help to poo, and and actually the 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 things that you give might cause harm. So there's a big debate, yeah. isn't there, to give water or not to give water? Yeah, don't give it. So broadly, <laughs> broadly, giving any water um below six months is going to take away some of the desire for milk because obviously it's going to fill them up fill them or up. make them feel oh, make them feel more full than they are artificially um and so they're not going to necessarily yeah. then get adequate calorie intake so that's why we want to avoid it no. really certainly in breastfed babies they never need additional water if they're having any breast milk if they're mixed fed they're having any breast milk you can just up the breast milk you don't need to give extra exactly water. And again, it's that thing, if you're giving additional water and breastfeeding, you're actually going to be stopping them from um, taking more milk at the breast, which in the long run could end up actually slowing down milk production. And you could end up, the worst case scenario would be you end up with um, issues around your supply. Yeah, yeah. Um, In terms of formula-fed babies... There is, we are allowed to say that small amounts of cooled previously boiled water can be given temporarily in addition to feeds on hot days. And that's according to the GP Infant Feeding Network and the NHS um, website. Um, So we do have a basis for being able to say that if parents are really worried um, and it's particularly hot day, they can give small amounts of cooled boiled water. Um, but certainly, yeah. you know, beyond beyond a very small amount and it's not going to be sufficient to treat constipation. Certainly beyond no. seven months, um, we don't have convincing evidence that it says here that at age seven to 12 months, babies require 600 mils water a day from drinks. And that includes the milk, the, the fluid they're getting in their milk. Increasing fluids beyond this does not further improve or prevent constipation. So, obviously, if they're very physically active or they're very hot, then they might need extra, but certainly not yeah. for constipation particularly. No. And again, it's that thing, you know, when we talk about very small amount, you know, we're looking at no more probably than 30 mils an ounce. Yeah, you know? I mean, that max. is what we are seeing yeah. as 
a small amount. And that would be absolute maximum over the day. Um, yeah. Which is not going to make a big difference to your poo. No. No. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one because often to a small amount and then it is that thing of, well, how much is a small amount? Um, yes. But, yeah, we're yeah. looking at sort of, you know, no more than... An ounce. 30 mils or so. I would say a maximum to offer. And as with any of these things, it's like paste feeding. You let them show how much they want to take. And for some babies, they will be kind of, they'll they'll look at you and just go, what are you, what are you doing? Why are you trying to give me this? What's this? And just not even want it. And which, yeah, wouldn't be a worry. So if you'd had got a baby then who was several months old um, and had been, you know, pooing fine, but they've gone long time between poos and the poo when it does come is hard or is, you know, looking dry, looking much more formed than we want it to be. Um, the first, there's two obvious things I would consider. The first one is making up the formula. How many scoops are they doing of the formula? Because quite commonly... People can accidentally be mixing up the formula milk with too many scoops of powder and that can lead them to be constipated. And then the second obvious thing is, are they on any medication that might be thickening their poo? So like Gaviscon is the yeah. classic for this, but are they on any medications yes. that might be making them constipated? Um, and if you've ruled out both of those things and the stool is hard, um, then definitely GP is the place to send them. Um and that's an appropriate signpost to the GP. But if the poo, when it comes, is soft, um, then, you know, really, we don't need to worry about it too much. No. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's all about that whole picture of, you know, how is the baby? Mm. Um, not just the contents of the nappy. How are they? How are they feeding? Mm. How are they sleeping? Mm. How are they in themselves? Um yeah, and, and it's like there's things, there's a few signs you can look out for if you're working with the family. You know, I mean, if the, if the baby's got a very tight, um, distended abdomen, then sure. again, that's a concern. But if their tummy's lovely and soft and they're comfortable with having a tummy tickle and you feeling mm -hmm. the tummy, great. If their weight gain's steady and consistent, you know, no mm -hmm. sudden deviations rising up mm -hmm. or dropping down. Again, that's a really positive sign. Um, and, yeah, and just going through those straightforward things because it's sometimes the case where, you know, parents don't just get advice from healthcare professionals. No. And the amount, you know, the amount of times that you end up hearing from parents, oh, well, I've added an extra scoop in a formula because my yeah, friend, my mum, my, my sister yeah. suggested that would help them sleep better. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yeah, it's not the way. It's so hard for parents, isn't it? Because they get so many different advice from different places, and it's really, really, really difficult. Um, and you're sometimes desperate, aren't you, and looking for any solution to these issues? Um, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I was just gonna say the other thing to consider as well below six months. Oh yeah, below six months, especially in early weeks and things, is about a little bit of massage and how much massage can impact. Oh yes. Um, well with pooing, doing a bit of gentle abdominal massage can be really helpful to mm. um, help get everything connecting well, helping them to pass yeah. the stool and things. Um, yeah, we do have yeah, good evidence like that massage does make a difference actually to stool frequency. Um, there's yeah. good evidence of that. 
So they wonder whether there might be a mechanism through stimulating the vagus nerve or whether it's um, the skin to skin that makes a difference or whether it's the physical manipulation. So like more akin to exercise or whether it's, um, yeah. we're not quite sure exactly how it works, what the mechanism is, but definitely does make a difference. So that's a yeah. really good point to mention. But it kind, of, it kind of makes sense that if, they're, if they were holding any tension in the, their sort of abdomen abdomen stomach abdomen. <laughs> um that you know if you if you they're doing a bit of massage and actually helping to release some of that tension helping to move them away and they're maybe not so mm. familiar with moving and help get everything relaxed a bit you can imagine how then it would be easier for them to to actually pass stool yeah it's that funny thing sometimes where a little bit of tension can be a bad thing <laughs> Okay, so good. I mean, we've covered a lot there. It's one of those things, but isn't it, where you you start out recording and think this is going to be a fairly simple one and actually quickly becomes more complicated than you thought it was going to be. But I hope we've covered everything people would want us to. Please write in and tell us if you think there's something we've missed or something you'd like to yeah. see included, either in this episode or in a future one. I should have said this is a listener request, this one. So thank you for requesting it, listener. (laughs) Thank you indeed. And I know, as ever, we've kind of touched on um, allergies and things. We haven't fully gone into it. It's a subject we know you guys want more information on. We'd love more information on it as well. Um, We're trying to work out how we could do an episode that actually got the facts over to you yeah. without being about five hours long so this um, is me it's such a tricky this subject because, this is so one of the things i'm doing my phd on is cosmicology and um it is a, a whole world of of complexity um and controversy yeah. actually unexpected controversy oh yeah so i um i am building an episode for it for you dear listeners uh, but it's going to be carefully curated and done properly, hopefully. <laughs> so it will come. <laughs> Have patience with Brilliant. me. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, no worries. I think that is more than fair. <laughs> You're right. Um, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Um, yeah, no, thank you. And um, yeah, you can get in touch with us via email. I am a health visitor at gmail.com. That's all one word. Um, or on Instagram at I am a HV or via our Facebook page. I am a health visitor. Um, but, oh, and on Twitter as well. We're at I am a HV on Twitter too. If, yeah. if anyone's still using Twitter much. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep um, up. But yeah. But no, um, take care and we'll hopefully see hear from you soon. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.